Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Overnight Success Podcast, brought to you by Maria Hatsi Stefanis. Maria is the founder of Rodial and Nippin Fab, best selling author, and on a mission to help you achieve your dreams. Maria's highly anticipated third book, How to Live Your Best Life, is now available on Amazon. Hey, Huda, and welcome to my Overnight Success Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm very excited to have you. <laughs> so we have a lot in common. We both got fired yeah. from a job in finance that we hated. <laughs> we both changed careers yes. and moved into beauty. And we are both called at times overnight successes. Yes. Well, it did take me 18 years to be here. <laughs> How long did it take you? It took me um, a good part of my life, but I would say working diligently the last eight years. Um, of working every single day and night, strategizing um, to kind of get to the place that we're at right now. Yeah, I know. There's nothing like an overnight success. No. <laughs> What's um, that saying? An mm. overnight success is 10 years in the making. Exactly. So you went from a blogger yeah. to a YouTuber to launching your own lash collection to launching your own full makeup range mm -hmm. that's available in the most prestigious makeup stores all over the world. And you're killing it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Now, what are some of the memorable moments that defined where Huda Beauty is today? There definitely are some moments, I think, that kind of really showed me how much I could persevere um, and how scrappy we were. I think a lot of people, when they're starting out their businesses, they want to really get everything really big. They want everything to be like proper. They want to use agencies. They want to, you know, they, they think that in order to reach any type of success that there are so many steps that they need to follow and then all of a sudden they're going to be successful. And that's just not a fact. Um, the reality is that some of the most successful businesses started really scrappy. Um, ours started, you know, I did a lot of things myself in the very beginning. You know, when it, we didn't have money to do photo shoots, we didn't have money to hire agencies. I think I've shared this story before, but when it came down to creating our lash pack, I just took a selfie. I took a selfie and I was like, and it's still today, the packaging um, that we use for our lashes. I just knew very specifically what I wanted. And um, I think that's the most important thing. I think a lot of times people use agencies, they use other people to tell them what they want. But if you know what you want, you don't need help. Mm. You know, you can do it all on your own. Um, of course, that's in the beginning and we have a very big team now and yeah. we do need help. But um, to get started, I, I think taking that first step and doing it very basically and 
and starting really scrappy was was imperative to our success. I think that's the best way to start the business. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you got outside VC investment when you started. It no. was just, um, just yourself. Yeah. And it's very similar with me. And I remember in the first few days, we didn't even have a budget to do a proper brochure. And I designed it on Vistaprint and printed it locally. And it, it, it was just, you know, all those <laughs> Who shortcuts. Knew? Who knew? Who knew? All those shortcuts that you have to take. And mm -hmm. I think that it creates um, character mm -hmm. and it, it builds your resilience when Absolutely. you're an entrepreneur and you start things in a very basic way. And then as you grow, you do appreciate when mm -hmm. those resources come in and it makes you a better entrepreneur. Right. Do you think so? Oh, 100%. I yeah. think also there's always, you know, the reality is no matter what it is, there's a snowball effect. If you give up on one small thing, you're going to give up on the other. If you push forward, you're going to push forward the next time. And that's just what it is. So I think being relentless, like making sure that, you know, you want to do something, I'm going to find a scrappy way to do it. You're going to do that same thing the next time. And I think that's really important. I think people don't really necessarily understand the compound effect of doing something. Um, and I think that's it's with everything that you do. You know, when you push a little bit further, you're going to continue to push it further. If you don't, it's the, you know, the opposite effect. So um, that is very important. I mean, you've been working your audience for years now. Mm -hmm. How much do you think your YouTube channel has affected the business? And if you didn't have the YouTube channel, would you have a different route to success? So I definitely did not start wanting to do product. Um, originally, my goal was just to try to find another type of um, influencer, you know, because at the time, the only type of ethnic influencer was Michelle Phan. There was a couple of, you know, ones that were kind of starting out, um, Andrea's Choice, but really nobody who looked like me. So that, that was my first goal. I didn't necessarily want to become rich. I just wanted to get different information out there for a different type of audience because I was frustrated. And so that was my first goal. And that was like what I pushed for so hard. Um, I don't even know if how I was going to sustain myself. Ultimately, I kind of almost think it was like an excuse for me to be allowed to buy products and for my husband to stop complaining, <laughs> even though I don't know if there was actually any light at the end of the tunnel. Like, I don't think anybody really saw it. And it was funny because, um, you know, I was obviously working so hard and nobody really knew uh, like where, like, where was this going to go? But then my husband was like, you know, look at Ariana Huffington. She just sold her blog. It was like $300 million to Huffington Post. And I was like, you know, oh my gosh, she sold Huffington Post to AOL. She did something. Maybe I can continue and maybe something will happen. And ultimately, you know, the blog group became very successful. The YouTube channel continued to grow. I didn't put as much attention to YouTube in the very beginning, but the main goal was just to build an audience. You know, mm. I the goal was never to make money in the very beginning. I think it was more of a, um, a byproduct of then listening to what people wanted. When we started the brand, it was not an accident, but I didn't, I didn't think I was a business person. And mm. so, you know, I didn't, I didn't think I was a business person. I didn't think that I should own a business. I didn't think I had any business savvy. And then when I started doing it, I realized I had a lot. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, no, I actually have a ton. And I know how to build brand DNA. And I know branding and I know like what choices to make very quickly and very well. And so I think a lot of times you don't know what you're capable of until you get there. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, why have I been doing this the whole time? You know, but I do think sometimes it takes small steps and then you just never know where it's going to lead you. 
Amazing. <laughs> you are so confident. Oh, you, you strike me as a person who always wanted to be an entrepreneur and manage a business. But I guess, you know, we all have insecurities at times. Oh, know? my God. I have a ton. Yeah. <laughs> no. I have a ton. <laughs> I don't know if you want to start. I don't know if you want to open that box. <laughs> Just give us one. Oof, gosh, one. Ooh, where do I begin? There are a lot of physical um, insecurities I have for sure. I actually with all think, this gorgeous. Oh my gosh! On. Don't even get me started. <laughs> um, actually, like it's so funny because there's there's certain elements of you know I, I think beauty bloggers and people don't realize this. I think beauty bloggers sometimes have some of the biggest issues with the way we look because we're photographing ourselves all the time and we you know you don't see things on camera you know, and in real life, the same. It's just a yeah. fact. The camera yeah. pulls up things that are just not, I might have a great day and I'm like, oh my God, I look so cute. I want to take photos. And I take a photo. I'm like, oh, <laughs> what happened? I don't look like that. And so I'm like, that's not fair. <laughs> the camera pulled up things that are not real. And so beauty bloggers, by definition, no matter how great they look, they always think that Instagram and the photos will represent how they actually look. So we do have a lot of insecurities mm. for sure. It's a, uh, it's, um, it's a harsh industry. It is. It is. It's harsh. Now, with our audience, we have a lot of makeup artists or YouTubers who are just starting out and they have you know, a couple of thousand followers mm -hmm. and subscribers. Mm -hmm. um, and the question that we get a lot is, at what point in their growth, um, while they're growing their YouTube channel, would they get the confidence to say, now the time has come and I feel confident enough to launch my own product range? When did you have the confidence to say the time is right? You know, I don't know if it was necessarily confidence or um, me being my worst critic. I think being my worst critic was probably the thing that, you know, I was like, and this is weird, but I, I think about sometimes, this is going to sound really weird. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> when we're creating products, and, and I've said this to my team, I tell them sometimes, think about that girl who doesn't like you. You know, everybody has that girl that just never liked them, that was just always hated on them, that was really mean. Think about that girl. Make her buy your products. <laughs> how can you do that? Smart. You know, and I yeah. think about, like, how can I make it to the point where, like, the, my worst critic wouldn't want to critic it, you know, wouldn't want to critique it, wouldn't want to find the faults or couldn't, or maybe, you know, she would buy it and hide it. And I think if you have that philosophy, you will... You know, it's, it won't be about talent. It won't be about, you know, confident. It's going to be about, I've literally put everything into this until I believe that it is the best, um, you know, and, and, and I think that that's something that I, for better or for worse, it's what I always think about, um, you know, I always think about how can I make it just the most amazing thing to where I feel like I can't have, I couldn't have improved anymore. Okay, so it's not necessarily about the numbers mm -hmm. of once you reach a certain number of subscribers, Absolutely then not. you're ready to go. It's you have that inner confidence and strength to say mm -hmm. the time is right and I can actually visualize that product. And I feel Absolutely. the product's going to be so good mm -hmm. that this is what makes me want to launch it right now. Absolutely. And okay. I think a lot of times, like when you create the product, the people will come. You know, you know that, that crazy saying, build it and they will come. And that's so true. You know, I think a lot of people, I think great entrepreneurs like Apple, you know, um, you know, Steve Jobs, Steve when he Jobs. was around, he was such a visionary. He did not necessarily listen to people. He created what he thought people would want and then they would come. And I think, you know, you should listen, but also like sometimes people don't know what they want. Push them, push them to the next level. 
you know, mm-hmm. make things like so flawless and so perfect that they're like, oh my God, I didn't even know I needed this. And yeah. Now I can't live without it. Yeah. So identify a gap that you feel yeah. is missing, totally. create a product. Mm-hmm. And that is the right time rather than the number of subscribers. I love gaps. <laughs> I love gaps in the market. Me too. There's a lot of opportunity there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> totally. I mean, you're living proof of what happens when you just create things that people never thought that they would even imagine they would ever want to put on their face or say they were using and all of a sudden frenzy and they can't, you know, they can't live without it. When one day I thought snake serum was I'm, the gap in the market. Snake dragon yeah. blood. I mean, there's a lot of things that you've done for sure that I was like, what? Am I using Crazy, this? Yeah. Yes, I'm using this. Oh my God, I want this. And I don't want to stop using it. You know, so there's definitely, I think, you know, there's, yeah. there's proof of that. Mm. So one of the hardest things that I faced when I was starting Baudial was getting my products into stores. And I have been so impressed with what you guys have achieved and getting Huda Beauty into Sephora, which is major. So what is the process of starting out Mm -hmm. and getting your your products into Sephora? Mm -hmm. What are the steps? So I actually think distribution strategy you know, i.e. where you put your products is quite possibly one of the most important things when you're starting a business. And I always get like a lot of really amazing brand founders will come to me like, hey, I want to reach this amount by this year. And I'm like, but your but your strategy and distribution is not going to create that. It's not going to create that. It's never going to create that. So I think distribution strategy is really important. When we started out, we knew from the very beginning, I knew that I wanted to be um, in Sephora. That was just like a very big goal for me. And that's the only place I was shopping in at the, at the time. Um, you know, it was like the place it was, it was quite a long, it was like five years ago, you know? So they were like, and I still think they do hold so much power in the beauty industry. They, I think they've been, they've pushed it so much so far, but at the time they were like really the only places to go to and nobody was selling on their own sites. Mm -hmm. That was like the thing at the time. It was like you either distribute in Sephora or you don't really sell. I was really adamant about that. And I remember, um, I, I went to, um, a distributor in Dubai and I was like, I want to sell, I have these lashes, this packaging, it's just like a tray, lash tray. And I was mm. like, this is the last, this is going to be amazing. Packaging is going to be amazing. You know, can you get me into Sephora? And she was like, nope. And I was like, why? And she's like, you just don't have a chance. You need to be in this other small beauty store um, that's in, um, you know, in Dubai. And I was just like, well, that's not going to happen. And I was like, I'm going to be in Sephora or I'm going to sell this in my sister's salon. <laughs> I was like, it's either going to be the best or it's going to be on my terms. I love that. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I was like, I'm not going to go to the second best place. I'm not going to accept that. And so, um, you know, I went to, I kept going to many distributors and finally somebody's like, you know, let's just let you meet with Sephora. And I was like, what? It's amazing. And I remember praying before I went to the meeting, like, please, God, let this be the most amazing pitch I've ever given. <laughs> I was like, please let me give the pitch of my life. And I did. I did. Wow. I gave the pitch of my life. And you know, um, the gentleman that was there, um, he's obviously, he's moved, you know, he moved from Sephora Middle East then to Sephora France. And since then he's been hugely, you know, responsible for our brand success. But he was amazing. And he was like, you know, I want to give you a chance and let's see what happens. Okay. Yeah. So that's super interesting. So you started from Sephora in Dubai. Mm -hmm. That was your first store. Yeah. And what's interesting about this is the big fish in a small pond. Yes, so you didn't say, let me go to the U.S. Right. and take on the U.S. You wanted to be a small lash brand mm-hmm. within that yeah. store, but you, you were big for them in a way. Yeah. So you were like the biggest fish in a smaller pond rather than worldwide Sephora. And I don't you think there's anything that. wrong with that. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, I think a lot of people always want world domination right away. And, you know, your podcast you know, is proof. It's not an overnight success. You know, that's why I actually love 
the title of your podcast too. And I love the people that you bring on because it's so interesting. Like all these people have been working so hard their entire lives. And then all of a sudden people are like, oh my gosh, mm. where did this person pop out of? Like, I, like, it's insane. Like how, like how do they do all this? You know, and um, we we had that thought, like, let's work slowly mm. and diligently, have the right strategy in place, but then let's, like, you know, slowly move out. And so when I first went to Sephora US, they they told me, no, they weren't going to launch me. Um, you know, I remember now we're in Harrods and Selfridges. I would constantly go on LinkedIn and I would guess people's email addresses and I would email them every single day <laughs> for so oh long. God. And they never responded. Yeah. And then finally, when I would meet them, I was like, oh, my God, I literally would e- I emailed you probably about a thousand times. They were like, mm, really? <laughs> I think they like spammed my email. That is that is crazy. <laughs> I've had the exact same thing. Yeah, I'm sure. I wanted to get my product. very similar stories. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very similar. Mm-hmm. I was um, emailing Harvey Nichols in London. I wanted a, <laughs> a position there. And I emailing them for seven years mm-hmm. and it would be a no or mm-hmm. no response and then one day they said you know come let's have a meeting I yeah. couldn't believe it I, I don't think people realize no, the don't. work that it takes because they see you looking great you know being here and there yeah. and, uh, and and just being the face of your brand and they think that you just woke up one day and it just happened oh but there's gosh. so much hustle that goes behind everything so many sleepless nights um and the sacrifice the amount of sacrifice honestly I cannot even begin to explain, you know, like I remember realizing very early on, especially once I had a baby, um, you know, do, do you have kids? I, yeah, I have, you, I have two boys. Right. Yeah. yeah I remember yeah, you telling me that yeah. when I saw you in New York. Yeah. So, you know, and especially once you become mom, I actually think moms, you know, are the most efficient people <laughs> because they really <laughs> want to spend time with their children. So they really want to get a lot done in a few hours. Multitasking. They're right? really good at multitasking. And so, and when I became a mom, I realized that if I wanted to be, be a good mother and if I wanted to be successful at my business, that I was going to have to sacrifice a lot of my personal life, my social life, um, my my personal life to myself, my personal needs as well. And uh, that was something I knew I was going to make. And it didn't necessarily, you know, it wasn't an easy thing. I got like, obviously, like a lot of people in my, my life were not happy with that. But, um, you know, I made that decision. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs do that. I think a lot yeah. of people who want to have the lives of entrepreneurs don't realize that. They're like, and they still want to go out. They still want to do all those things. It's like, no, you don't have, you got to yeah. work every single minute you're awake. If you're not physically working, you're thinking, yeah. you know, um, you know, if you're, if you're turning your mind off to meditate, you're doing that to become better at working, you know? So I don't think people realize how the obsession needs to be, you know, it needs to be so like, it needs to be ingrained in your body to where it just naturally happens. These are an accident. Yeah. You know? It, it's um, it's funny because I've just um, I'm dropping a podcast tomorrow that's that's about all that and and juggling work and family and mm-hmm. one of the things that I say is that we have three things in our lives we have work family and social life mm-hmm. and at every single point you can only have two of the three so yeah. you can have work and social life mm-hmm. you can have um, social like social life and family mm-hmm. you can never have all three of them together so yeah. like you I feel I've sacrificed my social For life sure. and then you're like work 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 mm-hmm. family all that and then everything else the one thing I to. think that people don't maybe think about enough is um, just to add to that equation too I think we need to add and we, nobody talks about it I think we need to add ourselves What's like our personal stuff that we do for ourselves, you know, like I never, and I think that was one thing that I really sacrificed for the longest time. And now I'm trying to find ways that I can actually give to myself, whether it's, you know, journaling or trying to develop myself. I've done a lot of the self-development work over the past few years. And I feel like now that I can do that, I can give to the company better. 
my family better, to everyone better. And it's something that I actually started doing for our team now mm -hmm. where I have them doing self-development courses. I mean, you know, we do it as a team together, but I do think that um, I think everyone likes it a lot. So what are some of the rituals and routines that you follow to get yourself centered and put you mentally into this success framework to, mm -hmm. to get your day started potentially or to get your week started? Do you have any specific routines? I have such a long routine. Okay, let's hear it. <laughs> I have such a long, I'm so, I'm so, it's so funny because um, as a child, I never had routines. I was never an organized person. I was always like chaos, um, a lot of instability. But then when I, um, I think over the past few years, I realized that I need to have quite a good routine to make sure that I could have certain fulfillments done. And so um, my routine starts at, um, I'd say it starts at like 5.30 in the morning. Um, and then it's till about 10 a.m every day. And so that's like very important timing that I have mm -hmm. certain things that I do try to do them every single day. If I don't do them, I'm really bitchy. <laughs> <laughs> I am really irritable. I'm really moody. You know, if I do them, I'm super perky. Everything's okay. Everything's fine. But if I don't, I'm not able to deal with all of the complications that come with running a business that come with running a team that come with having a daughter and having certain things in my life, working with your family. I'm not able to deal with those head on. So, um, so I do, I like to wake up early. Um, I like to journal first thing in the morning. I feel like it really makes an impact on my life big time. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I do, I do life coaching and yoga quite regularly, mm -hmm. um, from six to seven. And then I, then after that, I spend time with my daughter, um, okay. till about 8am. And then, um, and then I go to the office at eight Our office hours starts at nine. So I like to be there before everyone else. And then I like to spend the next two hours just doing makeup on myself, playing with makeup, sometimes dancing. Okay. And I'm sure they hear it sometimes. <laughs> they hear the loud music. Okay. And I don't care if anybody hears whatever music, whether it's really ridiculous opera or the most ratchet, like twerk music that you could imagine. I don't care what anybody hears. <laughs> but I. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You know, I spend like the next two hours like either playing with makeup or just like I feel like releasing creative. creative yes. Yeah. And like just releasing that. And I, you know, it's it's very important. What's your sign? I'm a Libra. Ah, okay. You must have some Leo in you because you have a bit of fire. So my husband is a Leo. Okay. I feel like I do have Leo in me, but I'm a Virgo rising. Okay. I'm a Virgo yeah. rising. Perfectionist. Perfectionist, yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. It's like, it's so bad because it, it runs my life so much. Like when I go into Subway, like if I, when I used to go into like order a sub, I'd be like, you need to make it in this order and this order exactly. Otherwise I can't eat it. <laughs> and they were I like, what it. is wrong with you? Love it. Libra, the creativity yeah. with a bit of the Leo fire. I feel like Leo. Well. I don't know. I feel like Leo. Yeah. I, yeah. There's a bit of Leo. There's, Maybe from my husband. Somewhere. Maybe from my husband. Yeah. You absorb a bit of that. I've vibe. absorbed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's say you have a challenging day. You're at the office mm-hmm. and you receive the packaging of your new palette and mm. it's totally wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> um one of your most trusted people resigns and your website is down it's full of technical problems you yeah. are at the office how do you deal with crisis and stress i think um one one thing happens whenever there's a crisis i go full on into problem solving mode i don't get emotional i actually think i have a problem with maybe not getting emotional enough when those things okay. happen um, but I definitely go into like things become very black and white. And I, the first thing, the first thought I know, the first thought I think is always the most, the most, um, problem solving. It's like the most non-emotional, non-reactive. It's like, how can I really act, react to this problem and solve it the best way? Okay. And I think afterwards then, like, then you can get emotional then you can second guess yourself. So I think usually, you know what you need to do right away. I feel like our brains go into that. I feel like through like genetics, we have like that you know, within our makeup, we know what the answer is right away, but then later on we'll second guess ourselves. And so, um, you know, I think the thing that would devastate me the most is like if a team member resigned, that would mm. really devastate me. Yeah. yeah, I know, I can relate to that. Like, yeah. I, I hate when this happens. Like, I have yeah. this fear when someone comes into my office very serious. Yeah. I'm like, I hope oh you're not gosh. resigning. Oh my gosh. But talking about people, what is the one thing that you look for when you're interviewing for new team members? Uh, what are some of the traits, especially as you're scaling your business? I really love finding like puzzles to people. So I feel like, you know, one thing I always like to look for, like I can find the most amazing person. They can be the most fantastic person. They could add so much value to the company, but maybe the company won't add to their lives. So I always try to find like, what is that puzzle piece where I feel like they need us and we need them? Hmm. Do you know, how can we complete that puzzle so that this will be like, you know, fulfilling on, on all ends. And I feel like that when we find that, 
that's when we can then, you know, have people come and join us. I, I remember for this one position, my team must have interviewed 200 people. And then I interviewed personally 45 people for this role. And I finally found this one girl. It was for a compliance role. And I found this <laughs> one amazing girl who is just so compliant in her personal life. Like it made her happy. And I was mm. like, oh, my God, you really love this. You know, you love this shit, <laughs> you know. And and she was really pleasant, too. I like I like hiring nice people. Yeah. It's, um, it's the right fit. It's the right and fit. it's yeah. making sure that they will grow in that position sure. rather than get them all ready to go. And then three months later, they get bored. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, and, and I think because um, the beauty industry evolves so fast, you always, you're always thinking about, like, how can this person continue? What does their trajectory look like? Mm. It's very important. All right. So um, let's just move into social media mm-hmm. because we do – I do get a lot of questions on, yeah. on Instagram. I'm sure you get a lot yeah. of those, too. Um, what are your strategies of growing your YouTube channel? You have um, 3 million followers and 30 Almost, million yeah. followers on Instagram. Yeah, so we'll talk about Instagram you. in a minute. Let's go into YouTube. What is your strategy? I honestly feel like with YouTube, we're really trying to figure it out right now. You know, we did have YouTube a long time ago. We, we started our YouTube page, but I feel like we never really became, I never became a YouTuber. And I feel like right now I'm trying to understand YouTube really well because we haven't done anything right. We haven't even been certified by YouTube. We've just been like putting content out there. Actually, for the longest time, it was like a catch-all. So I was like, oh, if it sucks, put it on YouTube, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, like YouTube is actually super important. So I need to like, you know, pull back and think, rethink our strategy there. And so that's, we're still in that phase where we're trying to figure out who we are on YouTube and what we want to show. I have a lot of different parts to my personality. I don't know if I want to show all those things on YouTube. Mm. I don't know if everybody wants to see all of them, you know? And so we're trying to figure out those things. Um, right now we're kind of in that area. I think we'll mm. probably figure it out hopefully by early next year. So for the time being, you're posting weekly. We mainly, are. But mostly just tutorials. Up. Yeah, mostly tutorials. tutorials. I don't know where to go yeah. from there right now. So mm. right now it's just education. Okay. Just free education. Okay. Yeah. And moving into Instagram and crazy, almost 30 million followers. This is insane. Um, So what's your strategy there? You're obviously posting a lot. Like how many a a day? 50 a day? Like it's... it's (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think we post four to six per day. I'm not sure. I mean, it it depends on how the algorithms on Instagram change. Then we kind of usually adapt our posting. So you there's know. there's two. Um, I was at the Instagram New York offices a few mm-hmm. months ago, and I met with the team there. And they're all, amazing. They're amazing. They're so amazing. Facebook's and w- amazing. We were discussing: Do you post often, and that helps increase the followers, or but then decreases the likes and the engagement? And it can create unfollows too. Yeah. There's that. I think there's a healthy equilibrium. And everybody's is different. Yeah. And I feel like it depends on like what is your like what is your image on Instagram? Like what do you want to be known for? And yeah. then you kind of go from there. I think a lot of people, you know, it's so funny. I, I sit down with so many amazing people, whether they're just beginning their business, whether they're celebrities and they want to like, you know, start a business, whether you know, they're business people and they just want to get a certain goal. Mm. And they ask me so many questions and I feel like they're always waiting for me to tell them the answer. The, the secret recipe, right? They doesn't exist. The secret. They're it like, doesn't exist. Wait, yeah. so where where's the secret? And I'm yeah. like, it's it's all about you. Yeah. And that's what it is. You don't if if you replicate what I'm doing, you're going to be a replication of me. Yeah. If I replicate what somebody else is doing, I'm going to be a replication of them. So it's like you know, how do you find out more about what you want your brand to stand for, and then you kind of go from yeah. there. Um, and the posting strategy for everyone should be different. It yeah. shouldn't be the same. Uh, we do a lot of sharing, um, and that I did yeah. that when I was blogging originally. Um, 
and I think the reason why I always do that is just because I like so many perspectives on beauty. Mm. I really was into it. You know, like when I started um, as a makeup artist and the blog started, it was like more of a BTS, like behind the scenes of what goes on in photo mm. shoots. I started posting a lot of other people's photo shoots, a lot yeah. of other makeup artists. Uh, I was like, look how amazing this makeup, makeup is from this photo shoot. It was beautiful. I was just so inspired by it. So I wanted to put that, like repost it. Yeah. So we went to Instagram, we kind of did the same thing. Which is which is great. It's, it's great content. And obviously yeah. your products are used by a lot of um makeup artists yeah. and instagrammers and you can repost their work as well yeah. which is great now one of the things that um i was advised on instagram which actually i don't do but i'm, mm -hmm. I'm asking the brand accounts to do is mm -hmm. post more videos because yeah. they get yeah. more engagement um they're more fun they're picked up on the explore page mm -hmm. uh what's what's your view on videos obviously you're using them a lot yeah. uh, are you guys geared more towards videos rather than static images I mean, just the reality is videos are the future, you yeah. know, like Gen Alpha, which is like, um, you know, my daughter's generation. I'm not sure how old your children are, but, you know, I would say 10 and below Gen yeah. Alpha. They don't they're not going to be consuming uh, photo content, yeah. only video content. So it is 100 percent the future. Um, so Instagram, obviously, from all the algorithms and everything, seeing that they have information for that. So it is 100 percent the future. Um you know, Which is it's, hard because you can't filter as much. Right. And there's no facing for video. Sure. Yeah, there's no, yeah, not yet. Where are yeah, you? There should be one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the reality is, you know, I mean, we've been told so many different things to do. We've been, even like within the company where like, people in the company have been like, hey, I don't know if you should be posting so many other people's works because you need to start telling, like, telling a little bit more story of the brand and stuff like that. But it's just... People all have opinions yeah. and you just need to find out what works for you. I think it's a great thing, actually, because mm -hmm. I was watching a lot of your videos before yeah. we met. And um, I think it makes you look a little bit more uh, objective, right. is the word, Which about beauty. Yeah. And you are promoting your own products, but then including some of the other brands, it, it makes the strength of your products even stronger, yeah. if that makes sense. That no, you've sure. selected those among others, but you also have some other brands. I think it's great. You know, I remember when um, uh, there was a brand, a drugstore brand that duped one of our foundations and um, the girls from, you know, who do our blog in, in the office came up to me. They're like, oh, should we write about this brand that duped us? And I was like, yeah, let's write about it. It was pretty good. Um, <laughs> but I do think there were certain benefits. Yeah. That, I mean, I would, you know, hands down use our foundation. We never use that one again. We have certain ingredients in it, too. But still, like, it, you know, I just think that that need for authenticity is so important. I feel mm -hmm. like people don't believe bullshit anymore we can see right through it you know mm. we we know what people are doing and why they're doing it so i just think you know why lie so with social media we all get trolls here mm -hmm. and there mm -hmm. i i mean i've heard all sorts of names yeah. recently i was called shady af i was called all sorts <laughs> just of so you know everyone is shady as that oh that's yeah. the new thing shady i think i should AF. print a t-shirt yeah shady no, literally AF. and a lot of other things like I'm, I'm posting a lot of outfits because of passion is my fashion is my passion yeah. and someone said that balenciaga jacket i hope you wash it girl because you wear it so often like, oh my god! Super crazy <laughs> trolls. What is, what, what is the problem? Um, so everyone has an opinion. You know, do opinion. you have this? I mean, obviously, we, we all get yeah. subjected to mm. Instagram haters. Yeah. How do you deal with that? I think the reality is, like, people are so opinionated, and they all think that they have a right to be opinionated, and they also think that you know that they have so much expertise in so many areas. Um, I mean. I have a number that is so public that I used to get phone calls on it. People would be like, I don't like your hair today. 
I don't like this. I don't like that. Or can you sing happy birthday or whatever it was. And, um, you know, and I think that there is, it is a good feedback mechanism, you know, to get information from. So we shouldn't be offended from it from that perspective. We should maybe rewire what we think about it. Hmm. But the reality is that the people who are saying those things, do you really want them? Like, do you really want to be friends with them? You know, like I would, I don't know any of my friends who would say any of those things. And I think it's, I think it tells you a lot about the people Mm -hmm. as opposed to you. And uh, especially when they're really just mean comments, when people are calling people names and, you know, there's a, there's a lot to that. And I think there is, unfortunately, that that concept of um, people are can sometimes jump on the bandwagon as well. And they mm. can be slightly sheepish, right? If some one person says something about you, somebody can jump on the bandwagon. And I, you know, I think a lot of people have a hard time with that. I remember I posted this one picture of this girl. I thought she was beautiful. But then somebody commented on her nose highlighter or something. And then she and another person commented on this. She closed her account on Instagram. Oh no! Yeah, and I was I was like so upset because I just thought she was so unbelievably beautiful. But that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy that people are affected like that. It, it does happen, but I think um, ultimately, I think people just don't need to take it so seriously. Life goes on. Yeah, you know, and uh, and for some people it's easier than others. Um, but I think that you know, it's hard. It's hard with like it's, it's a form yeah. of bullying. I mean, I guess what, especially when we're dealing with a lot of young girls out there on on social media, yeah. and they may take those things seriously. You and I, we we grew in a different area that our, our life when we were younger was mm-hmm. not projected on social media. Right. So we have the confidence of coming from mm-hmm. a different era. Uh, but I feel that a lot of those people out there, those haters, what I try to think is they don't know us. Right. They, they don't, don't know us. If they knew it's you personal. personally, personal. then they wouldn't do this. But because mm-hmm. they have a certain idea of, of you and I and all of us on, on social media, this is why they're reacting to that. But it's it's okay because they don't know you mm-hmm. and and that's that you know i think everybody has expectations of what they perceive you to be and you know even sometimes when you may prove that you are not that you don't fit in with those expectations the last thing people want to be is wrong mm. so they will box you and they will start to judge you about it and they will start to make perceive you know they build opinions around it and they won't sometimes want to be public about it and i think the reality is that you know it's just it's not personal it really isn't i think it's really important for people to know themselves know why they're doing things and then to like you know go full force ahead that's all noise i actually was writing my journal one day i was watching a game my husband was watching a game it was a basketball game and you know if you've ever watched american basketball one of the things that you'll see is as somebody's trying to get a rebound point there's always a crowd of people behind them like doing this to try to distract them <laughs> that's what i think those haters are that's, you know? that's a good one. And I think that yeah. that basketball goal should be your goal. So don't pay attention to those people. They want to, they actually want to deter you. Hmm. They want to take you off your, off your tour or off your, where you're trying to go. Like, why would you pay attention to that? That's their goal. Why would you pay attention to that? Pay attention to that basket <laughs> and aim, like look right that at it. Good. You know what I mean? So that's a really good way to think about it. Yeah. That's, that's why I like to look at haters. <laughs> All right. So. We're approaching the end of our podcast. I have a couple of more questions for you. I'd love to talk about your new perfume, Kayali. And um, I remember when I branched out from with Rodiel from skincare to makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, it was I great. I love your contour powder, by the way. Thank you so much. Did we you, have it here for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, we brought it for I you. I know. Really we, need it. We got word that you like it. So you it's, have found it's it a porter yet? Uh, not yet. But I can't order it right now. We'll we'll talk about okay, stockists later yes, on. Please, please, uh, yes. but we'll we'll get it to you. So Thank we have you. it here in a bag. Um, Thank you so much. But I found that moving from skincare, where our heritage lies, into makeup, mm-hmm. um, it, it was uh, it was a lot of hard work, and sure, we yeah. almost needed to create a new brand. Mm-hmm. How was it for you 
branching out from makeup into perfume. You know, it's funny because when we wanted to do fragrance, everybody was like, you know, you're, you've built so much around Head of Beauty. You've, um, you know, the brand is quite successful right now. What you really need to do is launch it under Head of Beauty. And I just thought that, you know, since I am, um, I, I don't, I can't, it's funny. I don't understand things when they're messy. I only understand things that are crystal clear. It's almost like I can't, I can't comprehend it. Like legitimately, mm -hmm. I only understand things a certain way. And so um, I was just like, that makes no sense to me because if we do that as a Huda Beauty fragrance, it has to be square. It has to be gunmetal. It has to be like, there's so many limitations with it, how it can even smell. And so it would have been one fragrance and that would have been it. And so um, I just, I was really against the idea. And then finally, when I, I was, you know, my sister was talking to me about layering and stuff like that, she was doing it. And I was like, you know, that's just such a genius concept mm -hmm. and it's Middle Eastern and that, you know, I feel like. The essence of the brand of Kiali is is the same as Huda Beauty, where we want to be a kind brand, you know, one that has a story, one that has a mission, one that, you know, it has exceptional quality, but it has a totally different, you know, technique and, and mm -hmm. DNA. And so, you know, that's why we launched it separately, um, you know, and it's been really successful, thankfully. Um, it's hard to compare fragrance and perfume, you know, when you sell uh, fragrance and makeup, when you sell like, you know, hundreds of thousands of millions of products. Mm -hmm for uh, for a makeup, makeup and then you sell like you know several thousands of fragrance you know it's it's hard to compare the two so it's, it was kind of challenging for us to like get used to understand that fragrance is just different from makeup mm. um but it's definitely been like it's been a concept that we've been it's it's still very new but we've been mm. learning very much do you sell in the same distribution channels as your makeup so the for same stores who have yeah. makeup also have your fragrance for now we do the distribution yeah. strategy for the fragrance still is like you know something that I think needs a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the places we sell our, our um, makeup are great for the fragrance. You know, they're they're amazing. I don't know if there exists the right um, distribution channels in the states for niche fragrances, other mm -hmm. than you know very limited distribution, like you know the Saks, the okay. Barneys, the you know. And so I'm not sure that it entirely exists just yet. Mm -hmm. The only thing is, fragrance needs to be smelled. It needs to be you know experienced. Experienced. And so we're, we're trying now to, um, you know, to do different things to really get that out to people. But um, ultimately, I'm not sure that, you know, there is a proper, really multi-channel distribution that makes sense for mm. fragrance, just yeah, niche fragrance. Mm. Yeah. I'm excited to see where you're going to take it. Thank you. It's still so, new. Yeah, no, it looks mm. amazing. Thank so what are your plans for the future? Next plans? Anything you want to share? Um, gosh, we are working on a lot of things. Um, I feel like for 2019, there are so many things that I really do want to do. I have a lot of goals. Um, I really want to write a book. Okay. <laughs> I really right. do. I highly recommend this. Thank yeah. you. I really do. I feel like, I feel like I want to, I want to tell people and share a lot with them. The only thing is I feel like I'd want to make it for free and I don't know if that would work very well, but I really do want to write a book. I feel like that's like the, that's something I'd love to do next year. Like I'd love to finish it by next year. Cool. Yeah, Exciting. that's really important. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Highly recommend it. Yeah. And just to wrap it up, can you share with us and our listeners your top three tips for success? I think it's so important to like know who you are when you're starting out. Mm -hmm. Like every single aspect of you are of who you are. Most people don't actually know themselves at all. That's one thing that I realize <laughs> is most people really don't know themselves. They think they do, but they actually don't. And so I think it's really important to know who you are. That's just that will just take not only your business so much farther, your personal life, your family life your, you know, your friend life, everything so much farther. So I think that, that that's really inherently important to understand. Um, and then secondly as well, I think um, 
you know, write down your goals, but also like understand, you know, the why behind them, because um, that will tell you a lot about like, you know, which ones maybe need priority, which ones don't. I think goals are very important, but it's also the things around them that are very important. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I think patience is probably the most important thing. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times when I was not patient, I wanted things to happen quickly or, you know, just different things that happen. I, I feel like I didn't have enough patience and still to this day, I want everything happening right now. I want like, you know, things moving so fast, but I, I, I you know, I sometimes remember how important it is to, to let things like brew and, and to let them you know, kind of take their time. My sister said to me once, she was like, you know, it takes nine months for you to, to get, be pregnant and have a baby because God wants you to be prepared for nine <laughs> months to sacrifice everything. That's good. You know, good and one. I was like, she's so deep, you know, she's so right. <laughs> but I do think, you know, you need like, sometimes you need that, you need that time, even if you hmm. don't realize that or not. That patience is so important. You need patience you need because patience. there's nothing like an overnight success. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What a way to end. <laughs> and with that in mind, thank you so much, you. Huda. This is that was fun. If you like the Overnight Success Podcast, please make sure you tell a friend, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and don't forget to leave us a rating or comment. You can find me, at Mrs. Rodia, on Twitter and Instagram. This is the Overnight Success Podcast. I am Maria Hatzi-Stefanis. See you next week.